This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. From the over-the-top studios at Scratch Labs in Boulder, Colorado, RoadBikeRider.com Radio, going the distance with Coach John Hughes. And we are talking mental fortitude of Olympians today and how we can be like that. Kind of like the guys on the U.S. swim team? I'm already working on my mental skills, and it does not mean imitating the guys on the men's swim team. You might notice I'm wearing this neat T-shirt that says, Let It Snow. And here it is, the end of August, and I'm already thinking snow and skiing. Now, why is that? I've got great endurance, George. You know that. I can ski a long time. My technique is slowly getting better. You teach downhill. Downhill scares me on skinny skis. Confidence is my issue. Focus, ability to block out whatever else is happening, like the people whizzing by saying, on your left. So mental skills are the big thing I can improve on for skiing this year. Now back to the Olympics, what I want to talk about today are all kinds of lessons you can learn from Olympic athletes to apply to endurance riding. And I'm going to talk primarily about women Olympians for a couple of reasons. One is there's more information in the media about Olympians, female Olympians and how they address the mental side of the sport. The other thing is women Olympians, especially American Olympians, just dominated. American women took 61 medals. American men took 55. American women took 27 golds. Now, if American women were just a country, not counting the men, they'd have more gold medals than China, than the whole nation of China got. Same number of golds as uh, the U.K. got. Astounding. Now, did you... Oh, go ahead. Did, did, did you ever wonder why some nations produce lots and lots of Olympians and others don't? Apart from the fact that some nations have syst- systemic doping, so we hear. <laughs> uh, you know, not really. One of the biggest reasons is whether or not women are encouraged to participate in sports. The biggest thing a nation can do that wants to become better at the Olympics is start including women in sports. Second thing is focus on individual events. Third thing is pick specific events. Small nations like Jamaica aren't trying to do everything. They focus. And finally, get technical expertise. And swimming is a really interesting example because expertise, technique, is so dominant. You and I do podcasts with Robin Saltonstall, Dr. Saltonstall. She's a long-distance swimmer. She was my swim coach. 
learned a lot from her brief Olympic story. Back in 1980, when Robin was coaching us, uh, I decided I was going to go to swim camp at Stanford and learn how to be a better swimmer. And they had us work on all four strokes, freestyle, and mine was okay, but I could improve. Backstroke, okay, but I can improve. Uh, breaststroke, not bad. Butterfly, could not butterfly to save my life. Well, we had a day on butterfly. In the morning, they taught you technique, they videoed you, so forth and so on. In the afternoon, you swam and they critiqued you. So I'm doing fly down 25 yards and I pop my head up. And who should be there to critique me but Summer Sanders who'd taken gold in the Olympics. It was great advice. It still did not make me a better swimmer. You know, it's fascinating for me to watch the different sports at the Olympics and swimming was, was uh, I mean, they televise it so much here. Um, but as a ski instructor and race coach, I really zoom in on movement analysis and I know nothing about swimming, but to see the different form, different stroke uh, rate, uh, how people would breathe if they were taking one breath or where they would move their head, the direction they turn their head during the butterfly, that was fascinating to me. Oh, it really is. And, and I mean, swimming, it's, it's such an interesting sport because everything, every time you do something, it creates resistance. Every time you tilt your head, you're not supposed to lift your head, you tilt your head just enough to get the corner of your mouth out of the water to get some air, creates resistance. The fastest swimmers can breathe less can't remember the guy's name but for the backstroke he developed his skill to uh do his dive off off the wall and then using a butterfly kick swim the entire length of the pool underwater minimum resistance and he was he was dominating he you know beat all kinds of people well, they instituted a rule that you could only go a certain distance oh. you had to surface and start, <laughs> and start actually stroking well and that was a huge thing just to see how far people would stay under the water as opposed to others oh absolutely i mean yeah. that was yeah that was actually kind of fun to watch swimming this year but uh, so what can we learn from the the strength that our women's team showed well a, cu- a couple of good examples the women's time trial uh, Kirsten Armstrong won that, and she was one of the favorites, but she's also 43 years old, George, and she's got a five-year-old son. But still, she won in uh, 44 minutes, 26 seconds. And second was a woman, Zabolinskaya, 36, seven years younger, also a mother, five seconds back. Now, you got to know that just all other things being equal, Armstrong is going to have less power because she's older. And I don't know the you know the exact power ratings, but clearly that's a factor. The third one was Van Bregen, uh, who was 26, and she took gold in the road race. She was 11 seconds back. And what I think made the big difference for Armstrong was her ability to focus 100% on her power, the smoothest possible stroke really getting power all the way around 180 or 360 degrees, getting right on that absolute edge of pain where one more watt and you explode and one less watt and you're second place. So huge mental skills. A lot of that, in her case, developed simply from a lot of racing. I have not read or heard that she did a lot of mental exercises, but clearly the mental strength was a factor in her ability to dominate younger women who all things being equal should have been faster 
Now, tell us about fourth place at the time trial. Uh, she was a four-time world time, tri- time trial champion. And she didn't concentrate quite as well, and she made a mistake and rode off the course. Now, riding off the time trial course definitely cost you time, and she was 22 seconds back. She allowed herself somehow to get distracted just 1%, 2%. That's all it takes. And you've made a mistake, and the medal's not yours. Now, I don't want to digress too much, but something you just said about one watt too much and you're blowing up, one watt too little and you're not at your max, you really taught me how to do that this year, and I don't think you know you did. (laughs) But I have never, uh, doing the old stage intervals or repeats this year, I was able to push to my max where I would blow up and back off just a hair and comfortably do the five repeats for no matter what time it was. And I was able to take that into raw and uh, put that into the entire race. And it made the riding so much more fun and so much better. And that's mental skill. That's not a physical skill. I've never had it to that level before. And part of it is consciously thinking about it but part of it is kind of that emotional state of I'm riding the edge. You just you can feel it in your body, and you can feel what that feels like. Terribly valuable skill. And it's part a of what, great feeling. It, it, it's a great feeling, and, and I was I was a little surprised there for a second because I'd been talking about one watt too much, one watt too few, and I was going to say. George, did you get a power meter? Absolutely not. No, I know. <laughs> you, you do use a watch. And and interestingly enough, the same principle applies if you're doing a 600K brevet or anything in between. It's how to ride the edge that's appropriate for that distance and not go too hard to try to blow up on the spot or pay later or back off so much that you don't meet your goal. You gotta find the right the right pace for you and stay within that zone instead of too hard, too easy. Been working with someone who did a great tour, was coming back from some problems, did great every day except one day when this person got carried away and rode with his buddies. <laughs> not within his zone given his fitness and he paid for it later in the day. I mean, he, you know, he did it. He made it. But good example. Every other day he stayed right where he should be in terms of, of level of effort. And you and I do that based on perceived exertion. How hard it feels like we're working. Now, can you give us another example from the Olympics? One of my favorite ones is Katie Ledecky, the uh, 19-year-old woman, swimmer, And the reason I like her as an example is when I was researching for this podcast, there is a lot of information about Ledecky and the whole mental side of what she did. So her longest event was just over eight minutes. Unless the listener is a sprinter, the event is longer, you know, for a roadie and so on. But there's some great things we can learn here. So first of all, in the entire history of the Olympics, only two other women have taken gold in the same Olympics, in the 200-meter freestyle, 
the 400-meter freestyle and the 800-meter freestyle. So Ledecky, 19 years old, nailed all three. How did she do this? Well, after the Barcelona World Championships back three years ago, 2013, she and her goal, Bruce, or she and her coach, Bruce Gemmel, set goals for each event. And they were what in the published media were called BFHG, Big Fat Hairy Goals. Now, you may have a different uh, set of words for that acronym, but we'll stay with that. And what he compared it to is, what's the man on the moon goal? You know, Kennedy said, we're going to have somebody in space. And you think, well, okay, the Mercury astronaut, yeah, we could probably do that. But get somebody to the moon? Oh, my goodness, what a huge goal. But in her case, it was enough to make her train really hard for three years. She was swimming over 70,000 yards a week. That's 10,000 yards a day. Makes me tired just thinking about it. So that was the first thing. Now, in terms of her goals, for the 800 freestyle, her, in, Barcelona, in Barcelona, this is back in 2013, she set a world record. Eight minutes, 13 seconds, 13.86 uh, seconds. Her Rio goal for the Olympics this year was under eight minutes, five seconds. That's eight seconds faster. Huge, huge change. Well, in Rio, she, uh, you know, she swam an 804.79. So 0.21 seconds under her goal. She made it. And what's interesting is the silver and bronze medals were 11 seconds back. She had enough time to touch the wall, congratulate herself, turn around, and watch other people approaching the wall. Dominant, really dominant. Big goal, but she met it. 400 free. In Barcelona, another world record. Four minutes, three seconds, uh, 3.05 seconds. Sorry, she didn't set a world record, but back then, uh, the world record was four seconds faster than that. So her goal in Rio was to swim 3 minutes, 56 seconds, and some change, which was uh, 7 seconds faster than she had swum in Barcelona. Now, if you're not a swimmer, you may not recognize that 7 seconds is a huge amount of improvement. Just amazing. So in Rio, she swam a 356.42, which was 2 seconds faster than the world record she'd set uh, earlier. And five seconds behind silver, or five, sorry, five seconds ahead of, of the silver medal. Again, a dominating performance. Remind you and the listeners, she's 19, so think what it's going to be like in four years. 200 free, she didn't swim that in Barcelona, so she didn't have a, a base time to go on. Uh, the 2015 Worlds, which were last year in Russia, she swam a 155.16. In Rio, she cut it down to a 153.73 almost two seconds improvement. So, tremendous example. And what do we learn by this? I'm, I'm just thinking of 70,000 yards a week. How the heck do you recover? And how do you stay mentally focused when you're doing that kind of training? You stay mentally focused because you got that big goal. And we can break that down a little more, but let's come back to the question of how do you recover? It's not 70,000 weeks 70,000 yards a week of flat-out sprinting. It's not practice 200 
you know, 200 yard swims as fast as you can repeat. Some of it's that, but some of it's recovery swimming. She so, paid and pays a lot of attention to her nutrition. She takes care of her body out of the pool, stretches, you know, gets massage, all those kinds of things. I, I mean, it's all the same sort of recovery activities that you and I talk about when you're doing race across the West and you're doing hard repeats, easy. When you do a hard workout, what do you do at the end of the day? Um, there's an article that I wrote quite a while ago, not that long ago, three years ago maybe, on the optimal recovery for your best performance, and it's here on the Road Bike Rider website. So, like everybody, she paid a lot of attention to recovery. Now, how did she discipline herself to do that much? Well, the interesting thing is she did not announce any of her goals until after each event. Look, what I did in the 800 free, my goal was, instead of posting it up there, but she reminded herself, and it's a good way to do it, she had written down each goal. And swimmers train with what's called a pull buoy. You put it between your legs, and so you just work your arms. You don't kick. And she had on her pull buoy what her goals were. She brought her own. Every time she got in the water, she was reminded. Now, one thing in the past, you've said it is good to announce your goals because you have to hold yourself to it. But she did share those with her coach, or she made the goals with her coach. So she did. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. did have someone she had to answer to as well as herself. Absolutely. She, she, had not, she had not told all of the other swimmers on the national team what her goals were, but she and her coach knew what they were. Another important part about it is her goals were what we call SMART, S-M-A-R-T, and she had broken them down into different goals depending upon the year. But S-M-A-R-T, her goals were specific. She wanted to meddle in 800, 400, and 200. She just didn't want to just have be a really good swimmer. Same thing applies to roadies. You know, people came uh, to the Olympics with the goal of taking gold in the time trial or taking gold in the road race. And I think I remember correctly that some of the riders in the road race didn't go that hard they had to, you had to race both races, but they didn't go that hard in the road race because they were saving themselves for the time trial. Very specific goal. So that's the S. Second thing, the goals were measurable. Her goals were time. I want to come under this specific time. Third, they were attainable. Given what kind of specific sh- swimmer she was, they were big, hairy goals, but they were still something she could do. They were realistic. 
the woman had the time to train to put it in. And finally, they were time-oriented, 2016 Olympics. So when somebody goes out, when, when somebody's got a, a goal for the season, it's better if it is specific. And it could be as simply specific as, I'm doing this tour and I want to ride every mile. That's a very specific goal. Measurable. I want to average 14 miles an hour on this tour rather than I want to ride the tour well. Attainable. Does somebody really have the time to train to get ready for that? Now, one of the interviews that you and I want to do is with Elizabeth Wicks, who just completed the Pack Tour Northern Transcontinental. Elizabeth is, I think she's only 72. I don't think she's 73 years old yet. She was the first woman over 70 to ride the tour. And the reason I bring her up is Elizabeth is now retired. And so, and she has been doing long events for quite a while. She set multiple records at Calvin's 12-hour. She set a record at the National 24-hour. So her goal of riding the Northern was attainable. She was at a level of fitness where she could train up to doing it. And it was realistic. She had the time, being retired, to train. And finally, time-oriented. Ledecky's goal was the 2016 Olympics. Elizabeth's goal was the 2016 Pack Tour. So goals are best if they're specific, if they're measurable, if they're attainable, if they're realistic, and if they're time-oriented. And then you also, again, you said she wrote those goals down. Absolutely. So, yeah, Elizabeth and I chat by email, and I know what her goals were for the Northern. Just thinking about this for a second. Everybody that I'm working on, working with, has specific measurable goals. And it's much easier to coach somebody who has a specific measurable goal and somebody says, well, you know, I just want to get fitter. Well, all right, what the hell am I supposed to have them do this week? (laughs) Whereas I just moved to Austin and I haven't been riding a whole lot, but I want to meet some folks and I want to start doing their 200 and 300 K brevets. Okay, got dates for the brevets. We know how long they are. We know how fast you have to ride it. This person happens to be retired. They've got the time. They've got a decent athletic endurance background. So it's reasonable goal, and it's time-oriented this fall. Now, those aren't huge goals, but they're important goals. You know, what, what was your goal for RAW this year, George? It was to do the absolute best that I could. I wanted to get out there, and no matter where I finished, I wanted to feel like I was trained as best I could be trained and was able to ride every one of my poles to the best of my ability. And you did that. I did. You did a great job. But that was not a SMART goal in terms of the acronym, S-M-A-R-T. Interesting research has been done on cyclists and other uh, areas where performance is actually better in an event if you have a very precise goal. Rather than saying, I want a time trial Flagstaff, which I do occasionally to the best of my ability, I say, okay, last time I did this six weeks ago, my time was 33 minutes. Even better example, 
you and I rode the Neva Niwot uh, 63rd Nelson 36 loop a while back. And I had ridden it uh, opposite direction early this year, and it took me about an hour and 10 minutes. And I wasn't really pushing it, but I was, you know, I was riding fairly hard. And I thought to myself, I wonder if by the end of July, time-oriented, I could get under an hour. Very specific. And I thought about, okay, eight weeks, I can probably do that. And I actually did manage to do uh, 59 minutes and 37 seconds, barely under an hour. But it was a specific, measurable goal. Well, we're going to have to work on my goals for Raw 2017 because I've, I mean, I've won before and felt like I didn't have a great ride. And it was so much more fulfilling this year to finish and another two-man team beat us. It was in another division. We won our division, but I just didn't care as much as I wanted to finish, feeling like I did my absolute best and I couldn't have ridden any harder. And, and that's a great goal. And so there, to there finish that way, that I was happy. Absolutely. Whereas I've finished a lot of other ultras and just been like, whoa, I could have done this, 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 and this and been faster even though I won my division. Yeah, you, you, you had done your very best across all aspects of doing it. Because it, I, I, I don't know, I've become so inward on this. I mean, I can't worry about another team. Maybe somebody's doing drugs. Maybe somebody has a lot more time to train than I do. Um, whatever it is, but if I can get myself to the point where I feel like I've done my best, which is a huge motivator for me. Um, it, it's just a great feeling at the finish to feel like I couldn't have ridden any harder. Absolutely. Uh, you're racing next year with Muffy Ritz. Yep. Longtime friend of ours. And I want to do really well you, because you, you she, wanted, <laughs> I don't want to let her down. <laughs> you, you want to do really, really well. And years ago, when I first started cross-country skiing seriously, Muffy recommended a book believe it was called Don't Look Back, uh, no longer in print. And the author made the point that to be successful in any sport, he was talking cross-country skiing, could be swimming, could be riding your bike, five components. Physically fit, you got to train really hard, okay? Good nutrition, you got to eat to fuel it. Absolutely the right equipment, the right skis, the right bike, so on. The best technique, one of my weaknesses, skiing, is my technique. I worked on that a lot last year. I'll work it again. And finally, mental. And he put mental last because he thinks it's the most important. Interesting thing that Muffy taught me, and that's why we're talking about mental today. Now, one of the things that you talked about is you want to feel like you did your best and feel great at the finish. One of the really important points for Ledecky, for Katie Ledecky, was... Quote, I just wanted to make this week count and have a lot of fun with it. She did her absolute best. She meddled, and she had a lot of fun doing it. Now, another important part for her, and one of the things that I'm working a little bit, working on a little bit for skiing, and we'll work on it more as I get closer, is she did visualizations of the race. She would sit there and not think through a race, but actually visualize herself doing it. You were talking about being interested in technique, watching the swimmers, 
turnover the stroke, how streamlined they were, when they breathed, all that kind of stuff. And you talked about how do you recover from 70,000 yards a week. Well, she visualized to really dial in that she could do it. So she was 100% confident when she dived into the pool. And that's a very effective way of training that isn't putting a load on your body. Without exception, without exception, the athletes that I work with have got far more performance improvement to gain from working on the mental side than working on the physical side. Most people are 80-90% to where they can get physically. So there's a little room for improvement, but it takes a lot more training hours. Whereas doing some mental work, you can get a lot of improvement out of maybe just another hour a week. And that's why it's important for those of us who aren't Olympians to go ahead and work on our mental toughness. Absolutely. And it, it, it is mental toughness, but it's also a set of mental skills. It, it allows you to train more effectively because you're dialed in on a specific goal and you know what your weaknesses are. You pick the events. You don't, you don't do everything, but you figure out the ones you want. You set those objectives that I talked about. You develop a plan to get there. Those are all cognitive, above the neck, if you will. But there also are a lot of important things that are below the neck that deal more with emotional. And through the mental side, you can develop the confidence that you can really do it. Working with a great guy, even older than I am. He's in his 70s. <clears throat> and he, uh, he had to do some hilly rides. I mean, he didn't have to. He wanted to do some hilly rides. So I had him start by working on simply his ability to focus on his breathing and relax. And then we got into power words and words that he could use and images that he could use to feel like he was climbing well. And he went to a three-day uh, three weekend, you know, kind of club event, climbing event, and he says he's never felt good climbing before. And he felt great. And it was because of the mental stuff he'd worked on. So it can increase your confidence. You talked about increasing the enjoyment of your ride. You had fun. You felt like you were really doing your best. And that was mental. And it comes back, I think, to the confidence, George. And you and I talked about this. Of doing your intervals, your repeats on old stage. Doing your repeats on Lee, on Lee Hill. Doing those 18-hour simulation rides. All of that builds confidence which leads to enjoyment of the ride. Another really important mental thing is reducing anxiety. So many people are nervous beforehand. There's, and you can be so nervous that it impairs performance. Or you can not be nervous at all, and that can impair performance. One of my favorite anecdotes, my dad was a Baptist minister, and he would always get, you know, a little uptight before Sunday services, a little nervous, a little anxious. And... One Easter Sunday, Alan Clark, the choir master, had the choir stand up to sing the offertory when the ushers passed the collection plates, and Dad went right on to the next part of the service, and Alan Clark had the choir sit down, and Dad was, Dad always shook everybody's hand going out of church, and Alan Clark, the choir director, was last, and he said, Jim, did you know that you forgot to take the offering? And my dad said, no. Now, this was Easter Sunday, the biggest congregation ever of the year, so think about it big offering and dad told me later it was the only time he wasn't nervous before church so not being nervous at all is not good being too nervous 
is not good. So another mental side is learning to have the right amount of anxiety. Another one is to learn how to manage pain. Whether you're riding really hard like Race Across the West or you're riding really long like a brevet, at some point, in all probability, it's going to hurt. And another mental skill is how do you deal with the pain? And finally, you can learn how to solve problems by not getting too anxious, by being able to analyze them and break them down into parts. Again, a mental skill. Now, where can someone go to get more information? Well, I talked about that I've written uh, an e-article on developing your mental skills, uh, using sports psychology to be a better athlete. This is something that I've been working on since, gosh, the early 90s when uh, Mark Lee started teaching Tai Chi Chuang at Stanford, and I was taking that. And so on my website, because I think this is so important, there are half a dozen articles, again, on mental skills, and there's a five-step tutelage set of lessons, if you will. Started with simply breathing, focus, and relaxation. So www.hughes-coaching.com. Go to the resources page and click down. You'll find those articles. Back to the Road Bike Rider uh, e-article that I wrote. I set it up as a workbook rather than just a description. Well, here's why mental skills are important, and here's some examples. It's set up as a tutorial. So you you start with a skill and you master it. You start with another skill and you master it. How long did it take you to learn to ride a bike well, George? I still don't ride a bike well. I'm always working on improving it. Exactly. I'm still working on improving it. I'm still working on my skiing. And the reason I say that is mental skills are skills that develop over time. It's not something that happens instantly. And for many people, now is a good time to start it. Right at the end of August, beginning of September, riding season, depending upon where you live. Here it goes on for another month or two, and then we're sort of tapering into the into the off season. Other areas it's a little longer. Off season is a great time to be working on this. And in my experience, both personally and working with clients, it's not something you do once once a week. 10-15 minutes every day. So again, the uh, workbook, the Road Bike Rider workbook on on using sports psychology to be a better rider. It's a workbook. You can go through and learn the lessons. Going the distance with Coach John Hughes here on RoadBikeRider.com radio. From Boulder, Colorado, I'm George Thomas. Thanks, John. Thank you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.